Yes, folks, it's Thursday, it's 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Live Thursdays, 5 p.m. Eastern. Hey. That's a surprise. Ah, yeah. you like that? I finally let it run to the end. Oh. <laughs> We've had that all along. Oh, yeah. Usually I just cut it off sooner. So, But I figured today I'd let it, let the, you know, let the guys actually get their pillars in there. <laughs> Gotta love it, don't you? I always like to have a surprise or two here, you know, what can I say? So, what have we learned in the last week? Well, let me tell you this interesting little tidbit that I learned just before we went live today. So, as you know, my friend Mario, who is our mentee in, in progress right now, as you might recall, the last couple weeks I reported that we had one of his uh, franchisors in the midst of rewriting their FDD. Yes. He just got that FDD in his hands, and guess what happened? They took out his territory. The, the other franchisor is now under FDD review. <laughs> and he is like, what is going on? So it was kind of like... Um, you know when you feel like everything's blowing up around you and you think to yourself, what have I done? Am I really doing the right thing? And I had to say to him, listen, that's kind of like a day in business, right? Because there are going to be days, as I just said to him, that you're going to wake up and have the sweats, right? There's going to be days that you think to yourself, oh my gosh, how am I going to make payroll? There are going to be days that you wonder, did I remember to make the tax payments, right? I mean, there's so many things that are kind of come your way and this is just one of those periods of time and you know we talk a lot about grit right david that's one of a one of the favorite things to talk about and i said to him you know don't mistake our talking about grit and and having that passion um don't mistake when we talk about that for the fact that you are going to have hard times and there are going to be points in time, especially when you're in the process of purchasing a, a business, when you're switching out of corporate America and going into business ownership that you doubt yourself. That's totally normal. And don't think you're going crazy. Right. And well, so are, I think it's but... important that what well, we, we know, right. But it's going to happen. We have to be real. Right. And, and, and don't, get down on yourself. Just talk to a buddy, talk to somebody who's been in business and they're going to tell you it's okay. It's normal. So I think that's really important for people that are out there. Um, the other thing that he shared with me is that, you know, the more advice that you seek from people, the more you realize that you really don't want to get advice from people who are not in business. 
because they all think you're crazy. <laughs> but you are a little bit, right? You have and to be crazy to go into business. I mean, uh, you have to be. That's prerequisite. Yeah, by definition, right? So he said, you know, I, I realized this past week that I have to stop talking to people about going into business unless they themselves own a franchise or are in business because all they do, they have these opinions, they have these thoughts, and most of them are way off the mark and they all just think I'm crazy. So I think that's really shit. What's oh. that? Sorry. Um, my <laughs> phrase was chicken bleep, I think it was. Since I'm the guy who's got bleep, you know. Yeah, I... yeah. So very good conversation. We're back on track, but now we're waiting for a second FDD. So the one thing I would tell you is as you're going through this process um, and you're comparing two brands, find out when their FDD review is up so that you kind of have a time frame, not to necessarily put yourself in, in the hot seat in terms of we got to hurry and do it, but you do need to be cognizant of timelines because now we're looking at another 30 days out to get this one FDD approved before he can get a look at it again. So that's kind of a bummer. So did the, the question, did the first FDD have any major changes that he was, that any surprises from what it was before to what it is now? Not that he has found yet, but he just got it in his hands. So he's got a lot of uh, reading to do. So hopefully he has had insomnia. An opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I know he'll be happy to share it with me. We just caught up literally right before this phone call. So we're going to have another conversation tomorrow. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to take a look at it with him and see if there's anything major that we need to throw a flag to. Okay. Did we talk about ADA compliance last week? We did. Oh, did we? I don't think we did. No, I think that issue came up afterwards, as a matter okay. of fact. So, and we're not just talking about physical stores either, no, right? Or doorways and bathrooms. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen, we picked up a, Westline picked up a client uh, two weeks ago. It was a realtor in Chicago. Um, had gotten notification from a lawyer in Chicago about a, from what I know, a not-for-profit in Florida that was complaining about them. And they were giving them 14 days to uh, remediate their website or be sued. And so this, of course, s set us into to motion. But when we look at it, where it, where it appears that the it, I'm going to say the industry, for lack of better words, is going is that if you have a brick-and-mortar site, you your website better be ADA compliant. Now, I'm assuming and most that... People, right, and most people would say, well, what the heck? Is, how does your website be ADA compliant, right? Yeah, um, it can be... It can be as simple as the contrast in the colors, if the colors in the website are not uh, highly contrast enough, that's an issue. If you have two links on the same page that go to the same spot, if they're not named the same, there's an issue. If you don't, if you haven't put in uh, descriptive alt image tags, how many people know what an alt image tag is? Not a clue. Well, I do because in order to do good SEO on, on a website, you need to know this. But 
the vast majority of people look at me when I say alt image tags and go, huh? What? So there's a whole bunch of hidden stuff. And, and I got to tell you, the more I look at websites, the more I can understand why a, uh, what's the correct phrase? Differently abled a person uh, would want websites. But my thought to all the business owners out there, large and small, it, this is going to hit them like a, a you know, a, a bag of sand because yeah well the the crazy thing is that this whole movement started a couple years ago and the benefit that i see um to the franchising system is most big franchisors got behind this a couple years ago when they went in and they they worked on their websites and they became ada compliant the issue now is for people who are out there on their own running a business and don't know what the heck we're talking about and or some of the smaller uh, franchisors who perhaps don't have proper um, guidance, perhaps legal help, perhaps IT, uh, IT support um, to get those. So again, my plug in terms of uh, supporting franchise businesses, especially those that have been around for a long time, the franchisor is also again, um, interested in making sure that their um, brand is protected by being ADA compliant. It's a it's a real issue. Um, this realtor was a, a part of at least two to three hundred over three hundred realtors in the association, and the words I've heard is that over two hundred of them have already been tapped. Now, when you hit three hundred, now we're starting to hit that Molly Mage range. And above so mm -hmm. I'm betting even some of the the, the mid-size franchisors are gonna have some problems with this also so oh, yeah. word to the wide make sure if you got a brick-and-mortar spot your website um, is ADA co compliant so should we go to our favorite part of the show now uh, maybe raise favorite part but <laughs> I like the pillars of what are raise favorite part Pillars of weather. This is, we got spring weather. What can I tell you? It's uh, ordinary. It's nice and cool. It's in the 40s and 50s. It's beautiful outside. Mm -hmm. And a sprinkle now and then. But uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to go next week. I'm going to be in Michigan, the UP, uh, right near uh, Muscalange uh, State, uh, in Muscalange State Park. And, and there? Been yeah. there, right? It's going to be a nice, chilly temperature. For yeah, now. yeah. It's it's about uh, oh, five to ten degrees cooler, so it'd be feel a little better to me. <laughs> but uh, how about you, Kristen? Uh, well, you know the sun is out. I have a baseball game after this, so I have my snow pants, my winter coat, and my scarf ready so to go. It I, is. The, the sun is out, so but the wind has picked up. So we, we don't get utopia. We get a little bit of this and a whole lot of that in one direction or the other. But yeah. I don't know. Mother Nature didn't get the memo that it's now May. <laughs> so how about you, Jerry? Well, I'm in Iowa, so not very far away from me, Kristen. It's a balmy 63 degrees with partially wow. sunny skies. Yes. It's getting very hot here. Summer is on the cusp of hitting the state of Iowa. 
can't hardly wait for it. And uh, so, yeah, life's good. Uh, I think it's going to be in the 50s and 60s for the next week or so. So not terrible Iowa weather. David, what's going on where you're at? No, about the same. Um, Mid-50s, not bad. Not bad for, for Cleveland. But I looked ahead, and it's going to be 50s, low 60s for the next two weeks. So right after this show, I'm going back to uh, my, my warm place, and we're going to head back down to Destin because they're going to be in the upper 70s, low 80s. And, and I'm a freeze baby. I like the warm. So <laughs> I'm going to start my summer a couple weeks early. Excellent. And Cleveland rocks, though, right, David? Isn't that what that – song says That's right sure does no, we can't <laughs> play the song we can't play the cleveland rock song otherwise we'll get flagged again and i'm tired of those yeah that's a bunch of garbage right there <sighs> what about our guest isn't somebody going to ask our guest where he is and and what's the weather like seriously ray you're falling down on it <laughs> yeah absolutely we, we do have a wonderful guest. I feel like a neophyte as far as a franchise owner because we have Pat McLaughlin with us. And uh, he has owned a lot of great clips. And he is uh, formerly a, a chiropractor for 30 years. And uh, we're, for, let's start with where are you, Pat? And Thank you. Kind of give us a little idea of what the weather is. Yeah, so so I'm in Moorhead City, North Carolina. That's that's actually on the coast of North Carolina. So if you pick the the kind of the outermost part of North Carolina, we sit out in the Atlantic Ocean. So we're probably about uh, three hours north of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and about four hours south of Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you wanted to kind of take a look on that, uh, it, it is it is 64 degrees here, when partly cloudy, oh. with some about 15 mile an hour winds here in Moorhead City. Oh. That sounds like a great place. Gary's <gasps> he's been here. He's been here this year, actually. So, yeah, he came down, uh, what, I think, what, January-ish, maybe? Or... January, a boat going down the inland stream there uh, to lunch with Pat and his partner and their lovely wives. And January there wasn't too bad. Awesome. You just said the magic word, Jerry. The magic word of the day is partners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Subject of the day. It is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? <laughs> so to, are you done with the introduction, right? Because I don't want to stop short on that because I know we have so much to say about Pat. And I always jump ahead. And I just skim the top. <laughs> That's why we make a pretty good team, right? Cracking me up, folks. I know. Yep. So today we want to talk about um, some of the positives and the pitfalls of partnerships. Because as you all know, we've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks about different ways in which you can go about getting funding for your business, um, David, as you know, has been extremely creative in the ways that he's gone about funding some of his businesses, and he's going to talk a little bit about that later on. But um, we've had the pleasure of meeting Pat McLaughlin, and um, as you know, um, did I say McLaughlin or is it McLaughlin? 
It is McLaughlin, no, right? It, it's spelled M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. So a lot of people do say McLaughlin, but it is yeah. McLaughlin. That's how that's how the pronunciation is. Yeah, the see, my neighbor has one of those tricky names too, and I always say it differently just to see if they correct me. They never do, so I just keep saying it differently every time. <laughs> correct. It's just, everybody says it that way, and it's just tiresome. So yeah, we're, yeah. We're we were just calling you the happy Irishman earlier. That's right. That's, so, but the, the great thing that we want to talk to you about today is that we know that you have kind of run the gamut in terms of partnerships in your businesses. So um, we got to know a little bit about the different types of partnerships you've had to share some of that with us. So we'd like you to talk to our guests today. Tell us a little bit about what was the first partnership? How did you get into that? What was that like? Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you, why you entered a partnership to kind of kick things off for yourself? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, I'm a chiropractor by trade. So the, um, the first partnerships I was involved in, I, um, had a practice here in Moorhead city and had a couple satellite offices. And we, we had one that was kind of an intermediary between me and another, where another chiropractor was that I knew. So he and I jumped in to, to be a partner in that practice. And then we had another practice that was an approximate part of two other chiropractors. So I jumped in a tri-partnership with those guys. So we basically were going to say, hey, listen, I was going to, you know, it was really just a strategy play. Either I was going to put a practice there or they were going to put a practice there. We were going to cannibalize each other or just do it together. So it was kind of by um, uh, just, it, it just came at that point. And it just was a smart move for, for us to kind of uh, share the wealth, so to speak. So that would, that kind of forced me into my first initial partnership and tri-partnership in my life. That was Back in the 1900s, it was in 1998 um, is when that happened. So, um, and, and we, we just jumped in. We, we were in those for about four years and we ended up selling it to the managing chiropractors in those areas. So that was my first foray in the partnership at that point. Um, and, and again, we were just in there briefly because uh, the, 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 uh, the, the main employees there are the chiropractors. And they started after a couple of years saying, hey, they want to do their own thing. And we had wow. opportunities that, okay, do we get another chiropractor to come in and, and do this and start from scratch and, or do we sell it to these individuals? And we had some, we had some uh, buyouts already established in their contracts. And so we made it pretty clean for us to do it at that point. So that was, that was my first foray into partnership at that point. So at that point, were you also exercising as a chiropractor or were you simply kind of funding that? Yeah, great, great question. We, yeah, we, we funded those and then we operated and we, we used our systems. So yeah, great point. So, so what the chiropractor was in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and I was here, um, you know, we operated a little bit differently. So one of the things about partnerships is we had to kind of combine our systems, okay, whose systems are going to work. And, and they were pretty similar, but we had to, that was kind of one ingredient on that is, is how do we get, or we had to come to agreement on this is the system we want to do. Okay. And then we just we operate that. So we were more of kind of an overseer of that. Um, we expected the, the doctor that was there to, to do the systems that we employed. And then that's how that worked. And then the other one was a tri-partnership, right? Now you have three different chiropractors doing things differently. So now that become more complicated as far as making sure that that system was done. And that was kind of a very similar um, agreement um, as, as far as that went. Okay. And these were not, when you did these, these were not franchise systems, right? These were your systems that you guys had come up with. Correct. And, and so that, that got me into the partnership world, so to speak. Correct. Yes, we did. Okay. You know, I'm a big, we're, we're big system people. I mean, the E-Myth with Michael Gerber, those are, that's a, a strong book that we kind of followed. And, you know, that's what I like about franchising, right, is the systems and, that are in play with that. 
Okay. And then uh, the next partnership I was involved with was with a company called Custom Audio Marketing that was in 2000. And that was a, one of my best friends from high school and I jumped in with that. And that was a chiropractic education program. And I'm dating myself. It was basically cassettes and CDs that we yeah. were, uh, were doing. And, and that was that, that business lasted about a year. We just, we, we just were undercapitalized. But that was another partnership I was involved in at that point. Okay. That was just the two of you on that one. I mean, I'm of the belief, right, that two, two minds are always better than one, right? And sometimes two checkbooks are better than one. Um, obviously, people get into partnerships for different reasons. So do you feel like um, in these in this second case, was it more that it was the money that brought you two together? It was the idea that brought you two together? What What was really the driving force in that particular one? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I mean, the, um, it was my idea. And this guy was kind of in between careers here. He just sold his cruise um, company, his uh, cruise travel company. And so he had a a little bit of freedom. He was kind of waiting out his no compete clause uh, or not compete clause. And so bottom line is he was in a position where he was looking for something. So, um, you know, it was just, he he had some strengths and, and, you know, I had some strengths and, and an idea. We kind of jointly did that. We both funded it X amount of money. And um, we had a kind of a backstop of what we were comfortable losing in the event that it, you know, we, it didn't get off the ground, sure. um, which, you know, we, we, we honored. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I, I read a book recently called How I Built This by Guy Raz. And in there's a chapter on partnerships. I talked to you guys a little bit about this yesterday. And, and it just, just the, the single, it says the single uh, or the number one mistake that kills startups is having a single founder, really. So mm-hmm. basically I find a, a partner is, is having, is just finding your co-founder mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, just from the collaboration and, you know, money and ideas and, and work and, and all those things that you combine, I, I think um, there's, there's a lots of lows that you go through in opening up a new business, as you know, and having somebody there to be encouraging and, and having somebody there to help you. True. On the other end, you know, you split profits on the back end, um, yeah. you know, so that, that's, that's the con, I guess. But I mean, bottom line is it just to got to get, having somebody there with you. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody goes at it alone to be really, truly successful. And, and a true partner has been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I would think collaboration is really good. And Ray, do you have a question? I see your whip, your, your lips are quivering. <laughs> I think, I think what comes to mind is uh, basically that, that that's the reason people get into franchises, you know, basically the franchise or is, is a, a, a partner with you. But when, you, when you're in an independent business and you're looking for a partner now, the business owners I know are pretty strong-willed and, uh, you know, pretty, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much made up their mind which way things are going to go on certain things. So how do you find an individual that's, you know, uh, more like a, I don't know, a, a partner as a wife would be a partner where you, you kind of uh, basically give the, you know, Ebb and flow, give and take. Ebb and flow, give and take. Yeah, I thought he meant feed him. I've done it this way for the past five years, and that's the way we're going to do it. I don't care what my partner says. So how do you find someone willing to take that kind of a risk? Yeah, great question. So the the um in when I got involved the Great Clips in 2009, I, was a good friend of mine that I had here in um, in Moorhead City, and, and we we just had a lot of like 
commonalities, right? And he was a um, he was a criminal defense attorney. I'm a chiropractor, right? Just what what two great professions to jump into a hair business, right? I mean, talk about uh, you know two two uh, examined professions. Yeah. And uh, so basically, uh, you know, just you know, he was well read. I'm well read. We you know both liked each other's work ethic. We both were creative in in our our own individual fields. Um, you know, we had a lot of commonalities. We talked about doing something a little bit different, having some type of, of sidelines. So that that kind of almost forced that partnership too, right? Because I was in, you know, I was in my chiropractic world and he was in his law world, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. So we we just needed to have, you know, some assistance with each other to, to do this, not only financially, but also time-wise. And um, so I, I that's a great question. So how do you find that partner? I, you know, what is so a couple things that I've deducted kind of really examining this thing. Is I, I really believe that you need to know somebody at least ten years, or three thousand hours of, of work together, and that's just that's just the Pat McLaughlin recipe, and and it's just um, the three thousand hours is like the, the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours in Outliners, right? It just I just think you need to be around somebody and know somebody. I'm gonna tell you the partnerships that I have not had great endings to, I should say, didn't meet that criteria. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know them ten years. I wasn't around them three thousand hours. And I just think you know people's core values. I think you know people's strengths. I think you know people's um, values. Um, you know, I, I think you just know people and you got to trust that. I mean, I, I know those people precaution against partnerships. Oh, they, they don't work and blah, 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 blah. And I, I get it. You had a question about marriage. It, it is. It's a business marriage. Yep. And um, go ahead. I think you have, a, I know that you have a lot to say about that. And there's some other things that we talked about. I want to press you on some of those. Um, but Fred has just pinged me to say, we have to pay the bills, which means I have to go to commercial. And then we come back. I want to talk a little bit further about some of the details we talked about in some of these, um, I'll call them relationships, partnerships in kind of the long distance strategies and some of the other things that um, we discussed in terms of what makes these partnerships more complicated um, and what are some of the things you can do if you're going to have a partner to make them a little easier um, make them work a little better for you in business okay Fred take us away and on a note if you want if you have a question you'd like to ask you can either dial in to 323-580-5755 that's 323-580-5755 and we'll get you on the air or you can chat live at pillarsoffranchising.com Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence will get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a Y and you're back. back. Yay! I want to point out my now hiring sign in the window since we've been talking about um, 
labor the last couple of times, Jerry. You notice I have my now hiring sign in the window. <laughs> just to sidetrack a bit. And we've uh, I just noticed it was being caught on camera. <laughs> and I ordered like 25 more signs because we're now in the point of desperation. <laughs> I, I would I would argue most people should be hiring all the time right now. Don't take it down, Kristen. Yeah, I have I have permanent logos in all my cars that say no hiring. And they've been in there for five years, right? But I haven't really needed to use them. And now I'm super desperate. <laughs> so, okay, Pat, so let's get back to you. You know, one of the things that we were talking about is some of these relationships and partnerships that you've talked about. Um, you folks aren't even in the same, you're not in the same city, not the same county, not even in the same state. Do you find that that creates bigger challenges um, in working with a partner? Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I, you know, in North Carolina, my, my partner and I, we are in the same building here. But when I, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, for a period of time between 2017 and 2020, and that was a, a, a complicated partnership in the fact that it was I was actually in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and we had and my, my business partner here was here in Moorhead City. And then we had another partner in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then we had another partner that was kind of our operating um he was in charge of operations so if i could just meander on that thought here i mean you had so we have you know four partners two were living in nashville one in knoxville and then you have one in, in moorhead city north carolina and, and then then you have the in that partnership the the, the operating guy he was 10 percent. i was 30 percent. the guy in knoxville's 30 percent. he's 30 percent. so you can see kind of where this is going this is like juggling chainsaws yeah and then and then um you know then you have accountability factors right i mean so um, the guy in Knoxville, he knew more about Great Clips than any of us, really. I mean, right. and, um, and so he, and then he housed some of the, you know, he housed um, HR, he housed accounting. So he, we were paying him for that. So he was hearing more of it than we were. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, I, it became in the end, I think, um, a little bit uh, disjointed. I think that one of the key things on partnerships is, you know, equity of time, equity of work, equity of and that, that, I think that becomes the big rift and the perception on that, who's doing right. it and, and the perception of who's doing it, right? Yeah. And, um, so that, 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 was, that was an interesting piece of it. Well, we even talked, um, you know, even prior to our, well, there, there's a couple of things I want to I bring up. First of all, you know, some of these early partnerships that you had, uh, you mentioned the 1900s, which cracks me up. But, you know, back then, way back then, right, we didn't have Zoom, right? We didn't have all the all the technology that we have today. So, you know, I'm not quite sure. I know that we didn't like pigeon carry the notes back and forth. But, you know, how did you guys do your meetings? How often were you able to get together and kind of talk about how the businesses were doing then? Great question. And so we, we did not do this initially. We had to get a pulse. So we were using Zoom a lot, you know, obviously pre-pandemic. So we were at, we get on a call and, and there's some good advice, I think. So weekly calls on zoom to go over your business i think is critical okay i think quarterly face-to-face -face meetings are critical whether you get on site and you're where your business is located or do it otherwise we were we we had that pulse okay so we had quarterly in face we had uh weekly uh zoom calls i think those are necessary i also think getting an accountability chart's important yeah uh, we we ran the traction playbook with eos we're big fans of that and we use that type of um a type of system we use that in North Carolina. We kind of use a bastardized uh, approach in, in Tennessee, but but basically having kind of a system of, of getting the ideas out, 
you know, putting the stuff like on Trello boards, we use that just to kind of see what the ideas were each week and park those ideas on there. So uh, I think having those types of meeting pulses are, 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 are critical. And, and quite honestly, I think we were running the business just fine. I mean, it, it just, um, you know, as far as my exit, that's a, that's another part of the story here. Sure. But, um, but I, those are some things I learned. I mean, I've learned from every partnership I've been involved with. I've been involved in six different partnerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing I have learned on this one, I would not get in a quad partnership. I would not go beyond three. I just think things become uh, too disjointed at times. There's, you know, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, if I can use that phrase. I mean, bottom line is, um, yeah, so so I would not do that. And, and then the other part about two is having having partners with different levels of business interest. You know, in that, that situation where you have one for 10%, one for 30%, 30%, 30%, you know, and, and our wives were technically 15, 15, right? So I was 15, my wife was 15, their wife, you know, so, and we literally had seven partners. I mean, we yeah. didn't have, you know, so, um, so those are just a couple of things. I'm uh, just a meander on that, but I hope, I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Do you think um, if you went back and, and let's say you took that partnership or th- of three or four, because those are kind of like to me, I always think that if, if you're going to do a partnership or at least people who are on a board that vote, that having an odd number is the right number because somebody always has to be the tiebreaker. Right. So I think an odd number is always probably the right way to go, because if you have an even number, there could always be a tie, so to speak. But um, would you have partners and investors in a situation in some cases, do you think? You know, I've never had that. I mean, we've just been, you know, the, the investor partnership was, was all the same, you know, people. So uh-huh. um, I, I don't know how I would answer that question. I, I, I think it's cleaner to have everybody who have skin in the game that are actually working and doing some accountability. Mm-hmm. I think that just would be cleaner for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, two, two other things I've mentioned, just just um, you know, the operating agreement's got to be ironclad. And and I, I think that was something that kind of, um, you know, you, you not not the same operating agreement for each each partnership works and and quite honestly we transferred the operating agreement from the business here technically and we copycatted a lot of that for the national operation and there was a clause in there it kind of came back and bit me in the ass so I, quite honestly at the end so it's um really understanding those operating agreements um and really having your own attorneys kind of going through there and just going through all the different tentacles to say okay hey what happens if this happens or this happens or this happens but, mm-hmm. but, you know, even you're in this thing three, four years, you forget all of that stuff. Sure. But you really need to do due diligence on the front end and just really go through and take your time and spend the money just to make sure, hey, am I bulletproof here if this, this, and this happens? And, and um, I, I just didn't do that level of analysis on, on that Nashville situation. So one other thing I think in looking back on that is I think having a quarterly conversation, which, which EOS does talk about, and being very transparent and look your partners in the eye and say, listen, are you happy? Am I happy? Am I doing it enough? Am I meeting your expectations? Are you meeting my expectations? And having that that true transparent discussion with each other or okay. all three of you, mm-hmm. I think paramount. And I think that was something that I would, if I did myself, I should have done that in the in the Nashville situation. Right. Well, and I like what you had said. And I know we talked about it before too, making sure that you um, have a partnership with people who really, it, it goes beyond just a financial decision. I think that you really do have to have somebody who has the same core values as you do. Um, I I think that's, you know, for me, and I know Ray, you and I talk a lot about, you know, culture and, you know, to me, having a business relationship, while it's all locked down and surrounded by legal documents, right, should always be that way. 
but inside the relationship or outside of the legal document, if you will, the, the legal document is kind of like the cage, right? And then everything inside needs to be the pieces that fit and feel good, right? And in order for those pieces to fit and feel good, you want people who you get along, you respect each other, right? You understand each other, the family dynamics everybody's going through. You know, God forbid, what happens if somebody gets sick, somebody dies, right? We talked a little bit, I think you had the, the four Ds that you mentioned. Correct, and your operating agreement, those four Ds, uh, divorce, disability, death, and dissolution. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the four things that have to be, you know, concrete, right? I mean, um, so, so that's it. And another thing too is, I mean, in, in finding and going through some, you know, mental calisthenics here is, I mean, strength finders, right? That's a great thing to go ahead and do. Might, maybe do a Myers-Briggs, making sure you guys are compatible. Um, you know, going, going through this type of stuff. Um, I think that stuff is important. I mean, I, I, especially as you enter one of these, these partnerships. I, I, I think Pat hit it on the head uh, when he said transparency and transparency in a partnership is, is critical, but it's also critical in any relationship you have, including your, your, your spouse and in, including your friends. You know, once you lose that transparency and including your employees, I, I feel, as much as you can, you should be transparent with everyone around you. And that's the best way to, uh, to build relationships. And, and that's what uh, a partnership is, is built on is relationships. Yep, absolutely. A, a couple other things too, just, uh, I think you need to be sensitive who's bringing who into the partnership, right? <laughs> I, was brought, I was brought into this partnership. Mm. Technically at the end, I was taken out of it, but, but you know, sometimes people going into something together, which happened here in Eastern North Carolina, is different than somebody asking you to jump in on a partnership. I think you got to be very sensitive to that. And I never really looked into that too deep. Um, I learned that on this one. The other thing, too, is be sensitive who's bringing the key employees in, right? And this partnership in Nashville, I, we brought this key employee in. Now, she fizzled out, and then this guy brought the key employee in. And they fizzled out. So it was interesting, though, and I've been involved in a in a restaurant business called Duck Donuts um, for two years as another tri-partnership. And we supplied the key employee, and the key employee ended up leaving, and it, it created some friction with the other, other um, yeah. uh, partner. And it was just because so I, key, I call it key employee connectivity is, is critical there because somebody is going to have a key person, and one of the partners typically will have that. Um, and, and I just think it's an interesting facet in all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have any advice or anything you would share with um, people out there that are considering uh, purchasing a franchise here in the next few months and are exploring the options for partnerships? Any final thoughts? You know, I, I think, you know, Jobs had Wozniak, you know, Ben and Jerry, you know, Hewlett Packard, you know, Bill Gates, you know. Paul Allen, right? I mean, I mean, partnerships work. I, I'm a big fan of them. I, I think just doing your due diligence, making sure you understand your operating agreement, take your time. But I, I think, you know, from a financial, a work, um, a time, I, I think there's a lot more pros and cons. I mean, people will warn you, though. I mean, well, partnerships don't work, blah, 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 blah. Yet some of mine didn't, um, but I, I think most of them did. And I've learned from each one of them. I would read a couple books. You know, I, I think, um, I think you're, you hit, you know, you talked about grit, right? Angela Duckworth's got a great book on grit. I mean, you know, I, I, you got to grind through this. My my uncle Charlie told me one time when I got married, 
marriage is giving 75% and expecting 25% return. I think the same thing about a partnership. I really do. And I think, uh, I don't think there's anything such as balance. I think there's counterbalance. Um, the, the, Good point. The, the book, yeah, the book one uh, is a, the one thing, right? What a great book that is. It talks about you don't, you're never in pure balance, you're in counterbalance. And the same thing with a partnership. Sometimes I'm doing more than James is, and sometimes he's doing more than I am. I just, you know, you just got to be, it, it's, it's that give and take. But I think quarterly conversations and just sitting down, hey, is everything all right? What do you need for me more? What what can you do more? I think that's that's one of the biggest tips I can give. And that, you know, that's obviously promoted with attraction software or attraction system. And, and I think if you, you use that and did that, I think that would help. Well, we really appreciate your time, Pat. I know you're extremely busy and um, sometimes talking about things that, that didn't work isn't always somebody's favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know all of these are valuable life experiences and you know here on the show we again we try to be transparent and make sure that we find people who are willing to share their life experiences and and kind of tell their stories so that our listeners get kind of the good the bad and the ugly of what can happen out there when you're looking to to purchase or open a business so we certainly appreciate your candor and your openness to share and uh, we wish you all the best and hope that we can get you on the show again in the future. So um, thank you again for all your time. We really sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, if there's anything I can help um, with, yeah, I mean, feel free to, to put my contact with, with anybody's in need, and I'm happy to help out. We thank certainly you. will. We'll have all your information on the website and uh, how to contact you. Is there a certain uh, place you'd like them to contact you? Yeah, I mean, my email address is the simplest. Um, it's just drpatmclaughlin at gmail.com, and, and you could um, you could provide that. Awesome. We'll have all that on the website for you. And again, thank you so much. We're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to come up and talk with David about some of his wildly successful partnerships that he has had in his businesses. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Ooh, hey, hey, David. All right, how are you? You're already wearing that Florida color. Yep, absolutely, I am. Well, I tell you what, Pat's stories and, and uh, lessons were great. And one thing about that's great about having our guests on all the time is I end up taking notes no matter who's on, and We've been talking about this partner investor thing for a long time. Pat comes on and I'm down here scribbling notes left and right. So, <laughs> so there's always there's always something to learn, always something more that, that you might have overlooked. A um, couple, of, couple of books you mentioned certainly were our foundational books that I've I've used um, for a long time. So those of you that, you know, sometimes your book titles, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the E-Myth, one, you know, um, the one thing, all those things, those are great books and 
and it goes back to never never stop learning, right? So I'll get mm-hmm. off my soapbox on that. I, I think I think if you when you stop learning, that that's that's when you start falling behind. But anyways, here's the thing on, on this, and and like I said, Pat was that that was incredible. The the stuff he was um, talking about to this point, to this point, um, uh, when we've been talking about this, I guess for a few weeks. I guess maybe the word partners come out, but for me, it was always investors and they were always silent investors. I know um, Pat alluded that a little bit when he started talking about the, you know, the splitting up the duties and the reason why they were always investors for me was for that exact reason. My personality, I'll I'll say this bluntly, I don't know, is I don't like to be told what to do. No, come on. No, say it ain't so. Really? No. So, well, I I can be a great assistant coach. I'd rather be a head coach. But if I got a head coach, it's kind of hard. I'll I'll learn to back down. But but I really, really, in the beginning, I needed money. So I got investors. But they knew, but but that's all they wanted to be too. They just wanted to put in the money, collect their dividends. Hopefully I get a return. They made a good investment and they trusted me, right? Mm -hmm. So I took on the full bore on my shoulders and my wife and and we went to work and we we built that thing. Here's the ironic thing. And it hits on absolutely everything that Pat talked about. So I, I want you to picture this again, 28 years ago, we start our business and then we grow a couple of units over the next few years. About three years after I started, one of my best friends from college, ex-college baseball teammate, he he talk, he comes up, visits, he says, holy cow, you know, this is great. And we put together an investment team for him. He leaves his job. He starts his business. We're both in Ohio. I'm more in the northern part of Ohio. He's more kind of north central, I guess, central north, close, closer to mid-Ohio, but, um, but still north of, of, of Columbus. So he's building out his little chain of restaurants. I'm building out mine. So we do this for how many years? And we went to training sessions together. We shared ideas together. We talked together. We we went to convention. I mean, we kind of were running our businesses together, but as Pat alluded to, differently and separately. So I don't know how many years later, 15 years later, whatever it was, he buys out a franchisee that um, that act quite frankly the, the corporation was going to close. So he calls me up and he says, KJ's name. He goes, he goes, hey, I want to buy Frank out. They're going to close it if we don't. I'm going to cut Frank a good deal because that way he and his wife can can get out from under the debt and everything else. He says, but it's too far away. Will you run it for me? Ah. I, went, I went, okay, sure. No formal agreement. I mean, we've known each other forever, right? right. I mean, since college. No formal agreement, anything. Boom, I go run it. We turn the restaurant around. Um, and by the end of the year, it was, you know, a 30% increase in sales, et cetera, et cetera. Became a very successful restaurant. So then he says, hey, um, I'm getting out of a partnership with one of my other locations. Can you go down there and help me with that one? I said, sure, no problem. I'll go take care of that one too. I don't know how, how many years go by. We finally looked at each other and said, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are, what are we doing? And he's uh-huh. the one that brought it up. He says, he says, he goes, why don't we just combine these things? Now, easier said than done, but right. we had a mutual investor who was also our accountant. And, you know, so he put, man, all the numbers because that's what he loves to do. And, 
if you can read his writing, then you can figure out what he put together, right? But, but you know, typical accountant writing. But we, we put this together. <laughs> the numbers we, that matter, whatever they write, it's yeah. just the numbers you worry about. With That's the right. And, and you can't really read it. But so, <laughs> so up until this point, I had always had silent investors, as did Ken. We just had money, money people. Hey, I want to invest, I want to invest. Just no different than a public company investor, so to speak. So then we came to said, okay, let's do this. Now, here's the key, and Pat alluded to this several times, and I hope people didn't miss this point, because one, there's a lot of layers I'm going to cover this, but one of the things we had were a complementary skill, skill sets. Yeah. Ken was very systematic, very, you know, very administrative, um, loved the financial, loved the numbers, um, you know, loved spreadsheets, very task-oriented, Okay. I'm task oriented too, but then I lean towards more people oriented. So my strength was always in, in building teams, right? Um, developing people, developing the management teams, building sales. Um, hospitality was a big thing for us. That's where my passion lied in those areas. I didn't want to deal with the insurance guy. I right. didn't want to deal. I didn't want to deal with all that stuff. Ken did, and he was extremely good at it. Uh -huh. We had complementary skill sets and personalities yes so there was a lot of unspoken um agreements just simply because we knew our roles we knew our lanes and we knew each other for so long yeah and, and i think i think that's a good point david and that's kind of what pat said when he said you know 10 years three thousand hours right or he he started to allude to and, and some people agree with it some people don't maybe it's a myers uh, myers briggs survey or something like that to really because not everybody is good at being introspective to say listen i recognize these are my weaknesses like i'm not the numbers person right i know that right away i'm an extrovert i'm an idea i'm a visionary kind of person and so i think it's really important that that um you know your point is is almost spot on with what pat said you have to be able to find those complementary people and somebody that you truly know and understand their personality as well it's perfectly said and, and ray brought this up too and here, here's their thing talk about transparency again ken is really the only true working partner other than my wife that that i that i've ever had um to this point, we have had a bunch of investors. We each had, but he was on trend. Now, here, here's the biggest thing, though. One thing you'd have to know about Ken, and, and again, Pat alluded to it and Ray did a little bit, trust. He's the most trustworthy, honest, character, upright person that I've ever met. He's the same as he was in college. He's the same. He's, not, he's never changed. He's extremely high character individual. And he raises everybody's standards because of that, because of the way he carries himself. So it was a great fit. He ran the office, I ran the people. Right. And our paths, and then we, we communicate, to Pat's point, we communicated all the time, all yeah. the time. We had weekly meetings, we had quarterly meetings with our staff, with each other. We met weekly face-to-face -face and went over the stuff we had to, had to go over. And so we we're obviously too, we we're both very committed to the business. That's all we were doing. So, um, all of the stuff that Pat talked about, you know, as, as he was going through it, as, as I was writing my notes down, even when we got to the point where we sold the business, I'll tell you another thing about the character. And, and when we combined the restaurant, we when we combined our units, I don't think I ever told Ken this. 
but there's a big document that you had to read and all these numbers and this and that. And I never told them, but I never read a single thing. I just signed it. And people oh, Ken, say, I hope you're listening, Ken. People say you're out of your mind, but that's how, that's how again, I'm not saying for anyone else to do that, right. but that was the implicit trust I had and kept, we've known each other for 30 years. Yeah. And there is, there isn't, there isn't a, a, a an indecent bone or a conniving bone in his body. It's just, a, so you have to have that. That's a, that's, that's I guess right. that's the level of trust that I had. And that's what it would take for me to enter into a partnership with somebody else in an active partnership role. The, the final question for you though, David is, does your wife know you didn't read a single word on those documents? Oh yeah. <laughs> because she knows Ken, right? She's the same thing. We've known, we've all known each other for so long. Ken, you know, even now we're, we're still unwinding some of the remnants of the sale and he just, yeah. it's typical Ken, here comes a spreadsheet once a week or whenever it was, Hey, this much money was spent on here. I spent 1967 for a, you know, a lock on the, on the storage units, you know, I mean, that's the kind of detail you're going to get. So yeah. I'm not, too, you know, we don't, we don't worry too much. Every penny's accounted for the whole bit. And I'm not saying we don't check it, but my point right. is that level of trust to Pat's point to me, that's what allowed us to do that and subsequently be extremely successful doing it. But he's really the only true active working partner that I've ever had. Everything else was, was investors. Hey, Dave, I trust you. Here's some cash. Send me some money when you make money. That's awesome. I thank you for sharing that. And, and I hope that Ken is listening. And, I, and if he isn't, make sure he gets to, to hear that because well, I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, he's heard it from me because I. But but the thing is, he was going to be on, and I'll be honest with you, he, he he's a has a what a four, five, six month old or four month old grandson, and he's had, and they came over, and I know they were out walking around in the woods and stuff like that. So um, he just didn't make it back in time. But it, we'll get him on another time. You guys would uh, you guys would benefit from listening to him. He's a, he's a phenomenal individual. That's great. Thank you for sharing, David. We really appreciate it. And um, this is a great way to wrap up the partnership and move on to dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's your, that's your walk-up music, Jerry. I need better walk-off music. I'm <laughs> telling you, Kristen. Walk that's just, I, I feel like Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> Yeah, As you know. usual, I'm going to have a couple follow-up comments on the previous discussion because they get to talk about fun stuff. First, I've got to follow David. Now I've got the rock star Patrick I've got to follow. I don't stand a chance with all the government regulation stuff you want me to talk about. But you know the thing is, even though you have the crappiest stuff to talk about, you're always the most positive guy when you talk about it. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, that's that's my job in life is to bring a little light into everybody's uh, rainy, overcast day. So yes, and we like my, the great clips, Tiara, that you have there. In lieu you know, of a hat. When, when you remodel uh, franchise locations, there are things that have been outdated that you you repurpose. So most, most people take the beer signs, but you. You got the great clip sign. The beer sign has never made me a dime, but that one has made me a dollar or two. <laughs> and you know what? Um, I do a lot of training videos and motivational videos for my staff that are spread across two states. And sitting under this sign while I do it means a big, a big thing to them. So uh, we really yeah. appreciate it. Heck so yeah. a couple quick things about partnerships. Um, 
partnerships are great. And I love the way David looks at them as more investors. Uh, my fear is sometimes investors who want to be silent partners don't stay silent forever. So you do have to be prepared for that. Yep. Um, one of the things, a couple of things about us. First, number one is it's tough enough being partners with your wife sometimes, especially in business outside of, you know, life. And so trying your to husband. find this. Or your husband. I just want to be speaking oh, up for the ladies out there. <laughs> absolutely. My bad. You are absolutely right. So thank you for correcting me and, and making this politically correct. I appreciate That's it. Find a way to do it. And I think about Pat and he's got his one of his best friends as a partner and you want them to be great partners and still remain best friends. Yep. And then they've got their wives involved, which let, raises a whole other level. And mm -hmm. I can tell you from hanging out with that foursome, they are as strong now or stronger now than they ever have been because of what they've been through in the business. So I think that's phenomenal. Yep, um, that's awesome. One of the things in our family, and we've come to this conclusion because we get approached all the time to partner with people. Usually we're not looking for partners. They're looking for us to, you know, take on the operations for something that they want to buy or something like that. And the bottom line is we discovered a long time ago that there isn't enough room in the sandbox for us and others. And we don't play nice in the sandbox with others. So we might be really bad partners in most cases. Um, in my new business, I'm a partner with one of my best friends who really is more like my little brother than my best friend. And we, we have a great agreement on how that looks and who does what and all those kinds of things. But we also understand that it's, it's a flexible thing and we need to be aware of that and be able to work with the constraints that come into play when you're trying to decide who does what and so on. So, right. all right, that's the last of the fun stuff I'm going to talk about. Now I'm going to talk about Washington, D.C. and what's going on there in the past week and how much fun we're in because of what they're doing. Okay, so, let's you know, go. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about the PRO Act and the impact that will have on franchising and how far along in the continuum that is in D.C. And so I will tell you that... Uh, you know, we had uh, four Democratic senators that were not in favor of it, and that certainly gave us a leg up in making sure that it wasn't going to happen. We lost one of them last week. Senator Manchin from uh, Pennsylvania uh, dropped out and uh, is now co-sponsoring it. And the, the, frankly, the pressure and the heat was too much because unions are uh, threatening to pull money out of future campaigns if uh, Democrats don't uh, co-sponsor this and vote for it. So. We've that got three like blackmail. Well, <laughs> you said it, I didn't, Kristen. So let's I did not set you up for that, but yeah. um we have three remaining and they're holding out really tough. Uh Mark Warner is a former Virginia governor, and uh he is holding out really tough. And unions are taking uh turns. Every day a different union will pick it in front of his house and drop off a cake with a pro-union message on it, uh, on his doorstep, which is interesting. We've got the two senators from uh, Arizona, Kelly and Cinema, and uh, they're both trying to hold out. So again, my message from the last two or three weeks, even if you're not in that state, uh, reach out to your uh, senators and express your opinion. If you're not a member of IFA, why aren't you? Because it's free for franchisees. And they will do all the hard work. They'll give you all the information to reach out to those uh, senators and get your feelings uh, known and what impact it would have on uh, your business. And speaking about the impact, 
here's some highlights from another organization I think you should consider, which is NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. And um, family-owned businesses would see a new death tax under uh, the new American Families Plan and American Jobs Plan proposal. So trying to pass on your family business will have another hurdle to go over under this plan. Um, there is a, there's a, a part of the tax code known as the stepped-up basis that's going to be repealed which will mean that there's going to be a lot more money changing hands to keep a family farm or a family business in the family. Uh, so if somebody dies, a partner in it, uh, we just talked about partners, uh -huh. uh, it, it would double the capital gains tax on that business being passed along. So uh, what do they, hold on. So that means like if I, if I pass, for me to, to, to pass my business on to my kids, the tax would double. Now I'm guessing that what they did then do would be an evalu evaluation on my business? That's exactly right. And it would be based on revenue probably more than anything else. So it'll be a simple XYZ evaluation. So they're, they don't have to pay somebody. They don't have to do something different. It'll be, all businesses will be created equal under that format in spite of the fact they're not equal because revenue does not extrapolate into profit. Profits. So, yeah. well, that sucks. Ray's going to get double taxed more than me. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the world, Ray. And so 43.4% is the number that uh, wow. the maximum number that it could go up to. So you can do the math on your own business and, uh, back into the labor force and uh, uh, customers start finding the way back after COVID. Uh, this is something that we may be dealing with, whether it be taxes or, or trying to fight off some of the other things that are going on. Uh, one of the things that people tend to forget is America's small businesses. Think about this metric, Kristen, this is phenomenal. America's small businesses mm -hmm. are by themselves the third largest economy in the world. Small business in America equates to the third largest economy in the world. And basically with the tax increase, we all know that means we're gonna have uh, less money to reinvest in our business, which mm -hmm. means less jobs, more unemployment, yada, yada, yada. We know how that goes. So um, it will disproportionately impact small business if it goes through. But I will give you some sunlight through all of this fog that we're talking about. Okay. Um, America's for Tax Reform, which is a pretty large organization in the United States, plus 70 other groups sent a letter to Congress to all sides of the aisle uh, trying to explain all of this. So hopefully we will, by using some of that and our own individual involvement with our legislators, we'll be able to get some things done and, the, you know, maybe, maybe weaken their impact a little bit or uh, get some more senators on, uh, on our side so it doesn't go through. Uh, but the last thing I will tell you is that uh, currently it takes 60 senators to pass a bill and they are nowhere near that level because 
Um, realistically, no Republicans will bail out uh, unless there's one or two that are waffling, but probably not enough to get to the 60% threshold. So knock on wood, we are in high hopes that it dies in the Senate, but we can't rest on our laurels. We've got to reach out to our senators and keep beating on the drum, which frankly is what I'm doing when I get off this call. I'm sending my daily email to now all of the senators I can reach out to. That specific point is in regards to the higher tax rate, rate, correct? The PRO Act is a part of all of that. Right, right, right. That is a big, ugly deal. I always yep. feel like, forgive my, uh, pardon my French, but I always feel like they take one one deal, one act, one bill, and they make it into a big shit sandwich. You know, they, they put something that looks all good and fuzzy here, and they put a bunch of crap in the middle, and then something that looks all good and fuzzy here, and they slam it together, and they try to push it through. But, you, you know, so so what I heard you saying, just to kind of recap the message, and then somehow I'm going to make you tell me if it's still a good time to buy a business, <laughs> is that we've got blackmail and harassment going on, <laughs> right? So, yep. yeah, blackmail and harassment. And, and I hope they don't eat those cakes. And really, I think they'd be better served, um, these folks, take the cake down to the food pantry, out to the homeless, and do something good with that. Because, you know, we don't really need to waste it. Give to the veterans. There's lots of great places to take food where people need it rather than waste it, trying to send a message. And then the death tax, I mean, like, death is already hard enough to deal with. Now you got to pay double for it, which I think that's pretty sucky. And then this potentially higher tax rate. So tell me, what are we doing here, Jerry? Are we still buying businesses? Are we still buying franchises? What's what's well, your outlook here? Kristen, uh, you're starting to get a vibe for how I roll. So I'll tell you straight up, there has <laughs> never been a better time to buy a franchise and get into business because, you know, working for people is not what it used to be and may never be what it used to be. So being your own boss comes with a lot of benefits. Yes, there's some hurdles, yeah. but small business is very tough. Uh, yeah. We've had a lot of hurdles in the past. We always figure out a way to get around it. You know, if taxes go up, you, you know, that's the thing that our friends in D.C. don't always recognize. When small business has to deal with something that increases their um, costs, their overhead, ultimately, we deal with that in a couple different ways. We cut things, whether it be benefits for staff or other things that we're doing, maybe reinvestment in the biz business or whatever to help offset that. But more realistically, we raise prices. And when yeah. we raise prices, we raise it enough to make up for whatever the offsetting expenses are. And we also put profit on top of it because that's the way business works. Yeah. So most small businesses they're going to figure out how to work their way through this and they may end up stronger in the long run. So I would not let that be an impediment. And as far as the, the death tax, there are ways to deal with that through the way you structure your partnerships and those kinds of things. If you've got a great, you know, the accountants and the lawyers are going to make a lot of money uh, from us, small business yeah. owners, trying to help us over these. And one of the simplest things is to take out a life insurance policy that will cover the costs of whatever those taxes might be when, when the lead partner passes on. So I would tell you that now is a great time to get into small business, to get into franchising. Um, franchisors are working day and night to try and make, uh, you know, to, to understand this and to come up with plans to help their franchisees deal with it. Yep. So if you were to look at a franchise versus starting your own business, you're all on your own. 
when you're starting your own business. You've got no support, no help, no nothing. When you become a part of a franchise family, you've got not only the franchisor, but franchisee brothers and sisters all over the United States going through the same thing, solving the same problems and sharing everything they know with you and helping solve these problems as a global community instead of just by yourself. So do not hesitate if this is what you're driven to do, move along with it. This group is a great group to use for mentoring and to help you get to that next end. There's other things out there that will help you. So keep moving forward and certainly reach out to uh, to us if there's anything we can do to help you. I couldn't agree more. I think that this just, uh, it, it hits at home one more time that being an educated um, investor, whether it be in your own business or, or particularly in this case in franchising, is the only way to be an investor in franchising. You have to be educated. So please join us again next week as we share more uh, tips and more uh, ways to become educated as you take the journey into franchise ownership. And we thank you for joining us today. And let's see, Fred, are we going down the rabbit hole today? Or are we, uh-oh, we are. Oh, Pat, you stuck around for the rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was warned on this. I said, you know what? This may make it even that much more fun. So, Well, it will. That's for sure. See, because I never know if we're going to go or not. So I always try to see if he's going to forget, and he doesn't like to forget. So, whoa. Oh, that would be like, give me a second, folks. He's in the hole right now. Yes, I am. I'm trying to read yes, what I it am. says on his shirt. I speak... Fluent something. Our sarcasm. <laughs> Fluent what? Sarcasm. Oh. Sounds sarcastic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Fred to me. So, today's question, um, I thought about basing it off of Janet Yellen's uh, remarks about going the Fed raising interest, but I decided against it. Instead, what we're going to talk about is AI. And since we're talking about partnerships, I figured mm. artificial intelligence and partnerships, how could that not be the, the correct thing to talk about? So, in the world of the future, I'm assuming there'll be franchisees and franchisees who have partners as well as franchisees who have AI partners. What type, what characteristics would you look for in an AI partner? Ooh, who wants to go first? Because obviously they can't be truthful because they're AI. Go ahead, Kristen. Well, I need one to just do what I tell it to do. I don't need any back talk. Like, so I just want somebody, if I say balance the books, right? If I say send an email, that's right. Kind of, kind of like Alexa, right? Say, Hey, Alexa, go do the dishes. Hey, Alexa, I need you to balance the books. Hey, Alexa, right? That's, I need just like a personal assistant to just do the stuff that I don't like to do. But that's a personal assistant, not a partner. But it's an AI, so who cares? I can use it however I want. The AI would care. No, they're taking AI. over. They don't have feelings. AI does not have feelings, Fred. You're AI hurting the AI's thing. feelings now. Well, now you're talking about like 
Iron Man and the thing that he has, whatever that thing is called. I Ultron. Forget. Sorry, I know that. Yeah, well, that's not what I understood to be. And you didn't specify. So my AI robot thing, Alexa, can do whatever I want it to do. And I just want it to follow directions because I'm bossy. I'm like David. <laughs> All right, David. I want to be the, I I just be like the be alpha. Told I just don't like to be told what to do. My a my AI partner AI partner would need to be able to look into the future for me. Oh, that's a good one. And and be able to 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 lay down the roadmap for our future success. Hmm. Okay, I'll buy that. Who's next? I would program the AI to always tell the truth. In other words, be transparent. There's a theme for you today. Hey, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We were talking about marriage. You, you've spent a lot of time talking about marriage, and transparency, transparency, and truth. Is there something, like Kristen says, there's something else going on here? <laughs> there's something we should know. <laughs> Well, you know, these things are on my mind. I'm, I'm a newbie. <laughs> Jerry, jump well, in. Okay, I've been letting everybody else get their say, so I could I could wrap this up a little bit, guys. I think, uh, for instance, David has financial partners, um, so they don't have much of a say in the business, and that's by design. And I think that's great. But for most of us who take on real partners, we theoretically should take on partners who uh, complement our weaknesses, who fill in the gaps so that as a partnership, we cover all the high spots. So I think AI, because just it's AI, it can be and do whatever it wants to be and you can pick and choose based on what your needs are. I would say that every partner will want something different from AI and they will want, uh, they will want it to fill the gap. So for instance, in my case, I despise office work I'm, I got straight A's in accounting in college, but couldn't stand doing another day of it by the time I got done. So my AI would do all the things I'm either weak in or hate, and I would do all the things I'm strong in and love. I think that's a win-win all the way around. Me right? too. Yeah. All right. I would, agree, I would agree with Jerry on that. My AI would, would deal with, you know, find me all the, the real estate, you know, plays I need to do on, on autom you know, automated, uh, you know, automatically done. Um, handling all my books for me it's handling all the hr it's my first line of defense on all the employee complaints uh first line of defense of all the customer complaints and um you know it's also trying to find me any new ventures out there i, I think a, I, I would be a fantastic uh partner for me i really would uh but in, in same thing free up free up the you know the big idea stuff and um and and, and shop that out when you said HR, I totally got this vision, right? You know how some of those um, programs do, like they search for keywords, right? And I could see somebody asking for the day off, and it sees day off, and it immediately goes to denied. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting that nobody said I'd program my AI to take over to all the computer systems in the world and thereby, thereby achieve global digital domination. But okay, I guess that's just me. I guess you still have a job. That's next. That's next. <laughs> you know, since I'm the programmer here, you see. <laughs> yeah. At least we didn't say do our marketing. You know you get muted for that one. 
<laughs> Seriously, no. All right. Enough of this fun. We'll be back next week with another weird discussion about franchising. Until then, be profitable, folks. If you aren't, no one else will do it for you. <laughs> Bailers, bailers, bailers.